This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. under fire. Being a police officer in America has always been a dangerous job, but almost nothing like we are seeing right now. Not in 50 years has it been open season on law enforcement. It's what we're seeing and the horrible aftermath. These beautiful police officers cut down in the prime of their lives. And none of this really should be happening, of course. It started, believe it or not, Barack Obama. He had a hand in all of this, creating a horrible wedge between white America and black America when he was the one who was supposed to make everything better. Instead, he decided to make everything worse. And then the left, they went into overdrive with their anti-police racist rhetoric to gin up emotions to get Trump, anything to stop Donald Trump. Law and order, they're good things, and we don't have them right now. Take a look at Wawa. You know about Wawa? It's like a convenience store in Pennsylvania and parts of New Jersey. Every state has a version of this. Wawa happens to be very, very beautiful. I've been there several times. Sometimes you can get sushi in there, uh, gourmet sandwiches, or chewing tobacco. Take your pick. Uh, But in Philadelphia, this was the scene uh, just a couple of days ago. Take a look at Wawa Philly. All stupid. There's a lot of stealing, pandemonium, vandalism, you name it, it's happening. You know, I heard somebody say, oh, this doesn't look so bad compared to some of the other videos I've seen. Well, let's take a look at the aftermath. This is what happens when you have absolutely no respect for law enforcement. And where and how could that have happened? Oh, by the way, outside the Wawa, things were not exactly uh, peaceful. Now, there is one small bright spot in this story. I saw the, the steely nerves of one of the customers who, despite everything, wants to get her sandwich. 
It's going to be a while uh, as my livelihood apparently is being destroyed all around me. But again, she kind of can tune all that out and get her sandwich. Now, how has this come about? I mean, we see this stuff all the time now. If you have a phone, <laughs> it's interesting, but it's not shocking, right? It's sad. It's sad. How did it start? How did it get confirmed? How does it happen all over again? Well, I think Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, Mitt Romney, Chuck Schumer, and the rest, their overreaction and political exploitation of the George Floyd matter that led to so much of this and the violence that they refused to condemn. They burned down a police station during Black Lives Matter in the aftermath of George Floyd, and it was celebrated as some sort of glorious social and racial justice event. And the exploitation continues. Oh, gosh, at the White House, having... The family of George Floyd, and let's face it, George Floyd, he had big problems. George Floyd should not have died that day in that way, but should George Floyd, the name, be a household word? Should the family be welcome to the White House? And I don't know about that. I, I don't know because this has led to essentially the delegitimization of law enforcement. There are people all over the country, as soon as they see cops, they see, they see Derek Chauvin. And I believe this is a result. This has fueled the rampant crime we see everywhere. And you know what? In a surprising moment of candor for none other than Jen Psaki. Remember her? Jen Circleback Saki. She no longer stands at that podium. She is a civilian. She works over at MSNBC and NBC. And she speaks her mind now, although I think they're going to have a talk with her after yesterday's performance. But she did say this. I think that Democrats, if the election is about uh, who is the most extreme, um, as we saw, you know, Kevin McCarthy touch on there with Marjorie Taylor Greene, I'll say her name, sitting over his left side, then they're going to win. Um, if it is a referendum on the president, they will lose. And they know that. They also know that crime is a huge vulnerability for Democrats. I would say one of the biggest vulnerabilities. Fascinating that she is acknowledging that now that she's out of the White House. At the White House, they don't like to hear the truth. And oh, by the way, if they lie about Republicans, MAGA, and call them extremists, that's their goal, to portray them falsely as extremists. So some things to keep an eye on. Um, John Fetterman, the Democrat candidate for Senate in Pennsylvania. I want to choose my words carefully here about John Fetterman. Uh, I think he's a maniac. I, I, I really do. He's on the side of the criminals. He really, really is. So a while ago, he gets himself elected of a very small town named Braddock, okay? But he insists on calling it something different or spelling it differently. Braddock, Braddock with the two C's, you get it? Well, why? Why would he do that? Because it's a gang thing. Because the Crips like it. You know, the blood in the Crips? Yeah. Mr. Federman refers to the town as Braddock or the OCC. That is the underground spelling for the borough, which he said acknowledges an allegiance that many of the younger residents there have with the Crips gang. Yeah, you know that murderous gang? <laughs> Internationally famous for settling scores over drugs with murder. Yeah, let's pay them all the respect they deserve, huh, John? Uh, by the way, I think he was doing that with his tattoos. So he's, got, he's all tatted up, right? And every tattoo has a story, I guess. 
One on his left, uh, his right forearm that he covers up. It used to say, I will make you hurt. That's what's covered up on his uh, forearm there. I will make you hurt. Maybe he wants to be in a gang. This is nobody who should be in the United States Senate. (laughs) Certainly not now when our law enforcement needs us and his Democrat allies are just pretending, pretending to like cops. And here's how they do it. President Biden, for example, that, you know, the top of that um, party there um, was never for defunding the police. Right. And what he has said and continues to say um, is that they need to have more funding. Please do. There are some on the other side who falsely accuse Democrats for wanting to defund the police. The record is clear. We are funding the police and we should. The president has talked about wanting to fund police, if you will, not defund police. When it comes to public safety in this nation, the answer is not defund the police. It's fund the police. You know, they rewrote their talking points in about 20 minutes. That does not erase all of their harmful rhetoric and specific policy calls over the previous two years. And yes, they were for defunding the police, for directing funding for the police away from the police to social agencies. But this picture, these pictures, this is even worse than their defunding nonsense. What they did, they delegitimized police in the eyes of the community. It's extremely difficult to maintain a semblance of law and order when so many in the community don't accept your authority. And we see it all the time. Big crime, small crime. Hey, you saw the Wawa. What about this 7-Eleven in Los Angeles? This is a complete breakdown of law and order. This is not during the middle of Black Lives Matter. You know, this is a Wednesday night in Los Angeles and everybody is going totally, totally crazy. And the Democrats, Joe Biden, mainstream media for this silly conversation you're having about race and in the middle of it all, cops, they're paying the price as you guys play your silly political games. And Joe, your rhetoric is going to get people killed. It probably has already. So how extreme are these MAGA Republicans? Just take a look what happened since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. In red states, after red state, there's a race to pass the most restrictive abortion limitations imaginable, even without exception for rape or incest. If the MAGA Republicans win control of the Congress, it won't matter where you live. Women won't have the right to choose anywhere. (laughs) You see how he's stirring up hate and division? I mean, he's banking on it. It's like he's telling ghost stories, portraying MAGA as extremists. This is dangerous, and I think it uh, has already led to carnage. And how about when they dispatched the SWAT team from the FBI to make misdemeanor or low-level felony arrests? This is happening, and it's totally crazy. Have you heard about this? Mark Houck. Mark Houck is a guy from Pennsylvania. He has seven kids. He's a pro-life activist. And what he does sometimes, folks, is he'll be outside of an abortion clinic and he may counsel people. Hey, you may want to think about adoption. Here's some literature. There's a pro-life center over here. Can I tell you a story? That kind of thing. Well, he's accused of blocking entrance to a clinic. Apparently, He got into a pushing match with somebody who might have been using profanity in front of his children. Some guy got pushed. And what did they do? They called the SWAT team. The SWAT team came in. The FBI SWAT team came in to arrest this guy over a pushing match. And reports indicate that 
the local authorities didn't even think it rose to the level of making an arrest. A couple of people got pushed and they brought. But this is what, how they roll now. The federal government. Remember Roger Stone. Roger Stone, he would get in Twitter wars with journalists. So what? They sent the FBI, the FBI to raid his home. How about uh, Jeff Clark, the assistant attorney general, one of them under Trump? They handcuffed the guy, made him stand in his underwear in his driveway while they searched the house. Paul Manafort throwing that guy into solitary confinement. Democrats love using heavy weapons. Oh, boy. Remember Elian Gonzalez? The Elian Gonzalez case. Remember how they got that kid out of that house in Florida all those years ago? You think this might have been overdone? That's the way they roll. And ultimately, look, it puts people at risk. It puts civilians, cops at risk. I really like that Josh Hawley. He has put the attorney general on notice yet again. Uh, You know, these letters come and go, but this one, I think, will make a real difference. He said, look, you are failing (laughs) magnificently at your job. And he wants answers like, number one, this situation with Hauk. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Why were 20 to 25 armed FBI agents sent to Mark Houck's home to execute an arrest for a simple assault, alleged assault, I might add? Why did those agents have their guns drawn? This Mark Houck had no criminal record. And number three, great question here. Since May 3rd, 2022, how many charges has your department brought against pro-abortion extremists who have attacked pregnancy resource centers Churches and pro-life Americans. Great question. This overuse, misuse of the police and the delegitimization. Look, we support law enforcement, whether they're federal agents or cops on the street. But the dialogue, the rhetoric in America is going to get people killed, including cops. We've got to do something. When we come back, Ray Kelly, the longest serving police commissioner in New York City history, joins us. And later in the show... What were classified documents from the Obama administration doing in this rundown storage center outside of Chicago? You never hear about this, but (laughs) Obama is in trouble. If we're going to be fair here, he's in big trouble. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Ray Kelly being sworn in as a police officer way back in the 1960s. He has seen it all. He served in basically every position he can serve in in the NYPD before becoming its police commissioner, twice serving under two different mayors, Uh, one Democrat, one Republican, by the way. Right now, things are tough for cops. Uh, Violence against cops is up 59% according to the FBI, and murders across the board are up dramatically over the past two years. Ray Kelly, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you, sir? Uh, great, great. Good to be with you. All right. Number one, uh, and Ray Kelly is my father, everybody, and I'm proud as heck of him. Uh, you've seen 
This is bad. We all know it's very, very bad right now. But you've seen worse in your career. When was that and what was happening in America? Well, in the 70s, we had uh, things such as the Black Liberation Army ambushing uh, police officers. In 1971, and I was on the street of New York then, we had 15 police officers killed. 13 of them killed feloniously uh, with with these uh, so-called uh, uh, ambushes. But I think it's in many ways much more difficult these days to be a police officer. Yes, you might say the dangers have somewhat subsided, but their careers are at risk. There's no question about it. Everybody has a camera. If, if you've seen any events on the street, which I have in the last couple of years, what do people do? They take out a camera. Nobody's looking to help the police. They, they want to record it. They want to catch the police doing something something wrong. So uh, certainly in the aftermath of the death of George Floyd, police have been uh, sort of put on their back, back foot. All sorts of restrictions, uh, regulations, the ability for them to even defend themselves with qualified immunity uh, has really uh, set them back uh, uh, quite a bit. And that's, that's sort of where we are now. All right. So I don't know if you saw the footage. We see it all the time. <laughs> Chaos throughout the, the country. The Wawa, which is a convenience store in Philadelphia, uh, we like them. Take a look at what happened there. I mean, just total pandemonium. And my theory is this is happening because law enforcement has been, I mean, essentially delegitimized. As you mentioned, they're kind of on their back feet here. They've been pushed back. How does law enforcement regain the upper hand or at least regain the respect of the community that they want to serve? Well, it's going to take time. Uh, no question about it. These types of scenes uh, with people going into the stores in huge numbers and stealing or damaging are happening throughout America, certainly major cities. Now, some of them are spontaneous, but I think more and more are, are being planned. If you're a police officer rolling up to the scene of something like this in a, in a, in a police car, you and your partner will say, and you have a hundred people in the store. How do you how do you handle them? I think a lot of this has to do with the George Soros type district attorneys who refuse to prosecute uh, cases like this or anything under under a thousand dollars. It's uh, it, it's very very difficult, I think, for cops to to sort of regain uh, their position because also what we've seen is police officers in large numbers leaving the, the profession. They're retiring. They're just leaving. Uh, they want to do something else. The, the job is not what they signed up for. And as you can see in this picture, this is what they're getting on the streets. Lots and lots of guff. There's no more respect. There's very little fear uh, of the police. And this is being factored in mm. by police officers who say, hey, What's in it for me? I'm only getting abuse. Uh, or perhaps we can go to another police department where we're treated in a much more humane uh, fashion. But they're leaving. In New York City, we've had over 5,000 police officers retire in the last uh, couple of years. That's yeah. a tremendous number. That expertise is going out the door uh, as well. It's not just a number, but it's just imagine a, a New York City detective with 15 years' experience leaving the department what he's taking with him uh, going out the door. So 
it's a very difficult time for policing in America. And I don't think there is any easy answer to your question, how to uh, regain that. uh, It's going to take time, a lot Mm. of time. So Democrats, Joe Biden and others are saying, well, we are all about funding the police, fund the police and 100,000 new cops. We want 200,000 new cops. I have the sense that with policing in America before George Floyd, they weren't underfunded. I mean, they were they were well equipped and departments were basically well staffed. The problem really has been that delegitimization, you know, (laughs) calling into question their very uh, origin. You know, these were slave catchers back uh, 200 years. Nonsense like that. Was it ever really a question? We're not for defunding, obviously. But now that they're funding all over again, just characterize the whole debate about funding. Yeah, it's it's overblown. It's not a funding issue. Right now, it's a huge recruitment issue. If you see thousands of police officers or people leaving a particular profession, you have to think twice about signing up to become a a police officer. Recruiting is a major challenge. These days, and you have you know departments down significant numbers, including uh, New York City, and this is a phenomenon throughout America, particularly big city America. Ray Kelly, uh, before we go, there could be another January six hearing this week, and I think the last one. I've been watching them. I am disgusted, and I am chiefly disgusted that they are not even mentioning the name of Ashley Babbitt. I know you've seen this shooting. Um, longtime police professional yourself. What do you think of the Ashley Babbitt shooting? Uh, You know, they say it was justified. The DOJ says it was justified. How do you see it? And how do you think most professional law enforcement organizations would see it? Yeah, this incident has to be looked at in another forum. Throughout America, the standard rule is that you don't use deadly force unless deadly force is being being used against you or against another person. That obviously is not the case here. This uh, shooting wouldn't stand muster in any jurisdiction that I'm aware of. So I think it's got to be reexamined by who, I'm not certain. But the the family deserves answers here, and they certainly haven't gotten any to date. All right, Ray Kelly, to be continued, my father, everybody, and a Marine... Thank you very much. Say hi to mom. All right, Bob. Will do. Okay. We'll be right back. And, uh, oh, yeah, what was Barack Obama doing? Putting classified documents in some crazy old furniture store outside Chicago. It's true. It really happened. We'll be right back. Well, Barack Obama, right? The media, they still love him. They've always loved him. The media made this guy. And what's not to like? He's tall. He's slim. Harvard. He's black. He's always eloquent. Not really. (laughs) None of those things is really much of a big deal. But they swoon for this guy. And everything he does is amazing, right? Wrong. Uh, More on that in a moment. Meanwhile, the mainstream media, the left, they just can't stand Trump. Everything about him. They just are driven crazy by him. Even though if they were really objective, they would understand just how good for America he was and could be again. 
In my opinion, look, some people are never going to be convinced. That's fine. That's the system. But here's something interesting. You know those so-called classified documents, which I say so-called because I do believe the president has the authority to declassify documents at will. He is the commander-in-chief. These systems are to serve him, actually. A lot of the systems within the DOD, Pentagon, intelligence community, not the other way around. He says he declassify them. That is acceptable to me. But where would these documents be safer? In a place like Mar-a-Lago, uh, which, by the way, is still protected by the Secret Service. Okay, this is a, you know, a former president's home. It is a well-established, well-cared-for facility. Would those documents be safer there or safer here? An old furniture store outside of Chicago with little to no security. Uh, yeah, take a look. This is where Barack Obama put some of his material in this old furniture store, including classified documents, according to the Obama administration, the Obama organization themselves. Take a look at this letter from the Obama Foundation to the National Archives. The Obama Foundation agrees to transfer $3.3 million to the National Archives Trust Fund to support the move of classified and unclassified Obama presidential records and artifacts from Hoffman Estates to National Archives Records Administration, NARA, controlled facilities, okay, that conform to the agency's archival storage standards for such records. So a couple of things here. Where they were keeping the records was not up to standards in this old, dilapidated furniture store. And also, according to the Obama Foundation itself, some of the records they were storing there included classified material. You see that? Classified and unclassified Obama presidential records and artifacts from that Hoffman Estates, which is the furniture store. This is pretty wild. This is big. I have not seen this until now. Classified materials stored at a facility deemed unworthy by the National Archives. This is important. Okay? So the fake news may want to incorporate this into their thinking when they're going crazy about all things Trump. Intelligence officials now conducting an assessment to review whether the handling of those documents poses any risk to national security. The intelligence community is conducting a damage assessment. Right now, U.S. intelligence officials preparing for a so-called damage assessment. <laughs> this is so unbelievably phony. Oh, boy. Just like Chuck Schumer said, if you make the intelligence community mad, they've got, what, eight days from Sunday or something of taking you down. This is the swamp at its worst. Stay tuned. All right. And now there's this, a new documentary, Deconstructing Karen. You've heard about Karens. It's a horribly racist term, in my opinion, used against white women who dare to stick up for themselves, who refuse to be victimized. Sometimes it can be a little bit obnoxious, but hey, life's tough, okay? And I think they're picking on the so-called Karens. Again, I don't like the term, and this documentary is pretty disgusting. Um, get to that in a moment. But they open the documentary with, well, a compilation of the Karens, a lot of them, by the way, have been totally unfairly misportrayed and victimized by, well, everyone. But here's how it starts. 
There is an African-American man. I am in Central Park. He is recording me and threatening myself and my dog. Please send the cops. Illegally selling water without a permit? Yeah. On my property. It's not your property. Hi, I'm asking you if this is your property. You're accusing me of a crime, correct? I am not a racist person. You just you just made but a racist you know what? comment. You need to go home. You know what a signal is? Guess what? Even in China, they have signal lights. I hear you have a problem with these gentlemen having a barbecue here at the lake. Why are you taking the posters down? Because all lives matter. No, she is crazy. You're crazy. All right. Not getting everybody at their best moment, but totally out of context. And uh, But this Karen craze is real, and the left loves talking about it, and they love calling out white women. And this deconstructing Karen, oh my goodness gracious. So these two crazy people who are standing at the end of the table, uh, they assemble a bunch of white women and shame them for being white. And they are automatically white supremacists, according to these two crazy ladies. Yes, you are white. Therefore, you're a white supremacist and you are automatically racist. I wish I was exaggerating, but that's kind of what it's all about here. Uh, Let's go through it. When you've been a victim of abuse and white women have abused us our whole lives, why do we have to hold your hand? Can't we just tell you, hey, you guys have hurt us. This is what you've done. Now make it right. (laughs) This is not nursery school. This is an adult uh, woman, educated, I presume. Um, It gets worse. When I was in Charleston, South Carolina last summer, I get into my lift and the guy turned around and looked at me and he said, lady, he goes, I hate to have to say this to you, but if, if I get pulled over... You're just another black woman, and uh, he's black. And he said, put your hands up, do as they say, do not make any trouble. He actually told you that. Yeah, of course. Oh, dear God. Of course. It, to protect her. To protect him and to protect me. Where were you? In that's South the South life he lives. And that's so, his reality. But that's, that's insane. But that that's happens. his reality, whether it's insane or no, not. No, I'm not saying he's insane. I'm saying it I is get it. insane. But what we're that? saying is this is America. All right. Now, I think it's a phony anecdote, but whatever, they're using it. What happens next is wild. They actually now demonize the woman who's surprised by that this that this happened, that she's in the back of a car and the driver tells her, put your hands up if the cops come cooperate if the cops show up, which is always a good idea. But they think her reaction is crazy. They watch. I want to ask also to stop acting shocked. So part of white feminism is is acting so surprised when we tell you. But it is. Why are you telling us not to act the way that we act if it is surprising? To me, that is surprising. That upholds white supremacy. So what I'm saying, I'm asking all of you that when we express to you, and I'm not just talking about Regina and I, because when this dinner is over, like this is a blip, right? You go back into the world. And when people of color trust you enough to tell you their story, believe us without expressing shock, because when you express shock, it pushes you away from the blame. That makes me very angry because I don't look at that. I was born in 1950. You know what I expect of white women? Not a damn thing, nothing. Wow, right at that moment, if I lived there, I'd ask that woman to leave my home. But no, uh, she's running the whole damn thing and everybody submits to it. There's like a Stockholm syndrome thing going on, right? Everyone is slowly, slowly conforming to their craziness, to their bigotry. 
I know Syra. And when she says she doesn't trust white women, and I consider her a friend of mine, I also understand why she doesn't trust me. I don't take that personally. And, and, and I'm asking and, a question on what could you do because as a white no, woman, I mean, that's I guess it's we, not like- we have a lot of work to do. We have so much work to do. And, and so I don't, I don't take it personally because I understand that like that, that is her life. So much work to do so much. They love saying there's so much work to do because the work will never be over. Right. White people are inherently racist, according to these crazy people. And you will never be able to do enough work to get yourself out of that hole. While I was watching this, I found myself reminiscing for the desperate housewives or the real housewives. Right. I much prefer that show to this one. All right. One more clip. So uh, uh, this actually is not from the documentary. I actually pulled it together uh, to show that any group of people, you can find folks at their worst moment. You can find white men doing horrible things and put a loop of it together. You can do it to white women, black women, Hispanic, Hindu, transgender, anybody. Uh, Oh, I saw this today. It wasn't very nice. You see, these are very, oh boy, uh, very horrible uh, scenes, but they happen all the time. But to make judgments about an entire group, that is wrong. And to make judgments about the individuals you will meet in your life and associate them with these crazy videos you see on Instagram, that's wrong. You got that, ladies? You two are real forces for evil, in my opinion. Stop it. All right. When we come back, we're going to meet Brian Dolly. He's a state senator from California, and we hope he's the next governor of California. We'll be right back. Oh, can't stand this guy, Gavin Newsom. Total empty suit, all about the press conference, not about getting things done. All about the hair and the tie and the clothes. Enough with this guy. Democrats really want to make him president. Well, our next guest could stop all of that. He's a California state senator, Republican Brian Dolly. He is the uh, Republican nominee for governor. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. All right. Knocking off an incumbent is a tough thing to do, but we're all ears. Number one, make your case against Gavin Newsom. Well, I just uh, let people in, in the rest of the country, I ask them one thing. What has Gavin Newsom accomplished with more money than we've ever had in our budget? We have the highest uh, taxes and the highest poverty rate in the nation. We have no water in California. Our electricity grid is falling apart. We have homelessness. We have crime. And we have a school si- education system that's failing Californians. And he wants to be president of the United States. I want the rest of uh, America to know that, look, you already have Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris from California. You do not need Gavin Newsom. Uh, I'm trying to take him out here in California. Uh, November 8th, we'll find out what happens. Uh, So that's what's happening here in California. He has failed miserably here in California. And that's why Californians are leaving. And he's he's asking for uh, people to come back to California. The California way, he calls it, it's it's crazy. All right. November 8th. uh, We'll see what happens. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Been in the state Senate for a couple of years. And before that, just tell us, if you don't mind, uh, you know, how this all happened. Well, I was a county supervisor for 16 years in California. 
then six, six and a half years in the state assembly and three and a half years in the state senate. So I've been in the legislature for the last 10 years. Uh, my family came to California. We've been here 92 years. We're farmers. Uh, we're not leaving. We're going to take some ground back. And so we're pushing back against Gavin Newsom. And he's an elitist Democrat. It's even out of touch with Democrats here in California. And uh, he hasn't solved one problem. Folks know it across the country. You know it here in California. And you should know as California goes, the nation goes. So I'm here to fix the problems that are here in California. You can go to BrianDally.com. Uh, follow us on uh, all social media platforms. We'd love to have your support and uh, your vote come November 8th. BrianDally.com. Hey, did the recall election, which he survived, did it soften him up a little bit or did it make him stronger? I mean, you know, if you don't take the guy out, is he somehow enhanced? What did that do for your chances? Well, it took about $50 million to convince Californians that uh, he, he needed to stay here. So, look, the future of California is, is on the line this election. If we get four more years of Gavin Newsom, uh, it'll be crazy. He's running for president. And so we have an opportunity for balance. We've had 25 years of one party control in California in the last 12 years as governor being a Democrat. It's time for balance. I'll bring that balance to California and we're looking forward to having the fight with Gavin Newsom. Hey, by the way, he was a real, uh, you know, big shutdown guy. California is withholding standardized test results until after Election Day. That doesn't seem right. I think they must know. Number one, it would be standard for them to release these results earlier, correct? Yes, absolutely. He's wanting to hide it. You should also know that 50,000 students didn't show up for the first day of school in L.A. Unified School District this year. Parents have had enough of this crazy woke stuff that's coming out of California. They want their kids to learn the ABCs, the one, two, threes, not the birds and the bees when they're in third grade. That's what's happening here in California. It's time for uh, parents are showing up and they're, they're pushing back. Brian Daly, we wish you uh, we wish you lots of luck. BrianDaly.com. Check it out. And good luck. This you would shock the political universe if this happens. But that's happened before. Good luck. Thank you, Greg. Thanks for having me on. You bet. You bet. We'll be right back. All I All can, I can say, say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? Remember when the fake news told us what a normal and regular guy Joe Biden was, huh? Remember that? Anyway, uh, today at the White House, the Atlanta Braves were there. I guess they were acknowledged for their World Series victory last year. But Joe being Joe did some strange stuff. Number one, children, all the kids, he wanted to see them front and center. Kids are totally, totally not into it. But the next kid you're about to see is really not into it. You see that? He does not want to be there. The kid's scowling. And didn't Joe kind of entice him with the shirt? Like, I'm going to give you the shirt? 
Joe doesn't make good on the promise. The kid knows it, and he's out of there. Watch. <laughs> and there he goes. Did you see earlier? Joe tried to, he, don't touch me. I've seen those videos. I don't want <laughs> All right. So there's a new prime minister of Italy, Georgia Maloney. And forget what the fake news says about her. Uh, she's incredible. She really is special. Listen to, I guess, her first comments, some of her first comments as the new prime minister of Italy. Music to my ears, and I hope yours too. Why is the family an enemy? Why is the family so frightening? There is a single answer to all these questions. Because it defines us. Because it is our identity. Because everything that defines us is now an enemy. For those who would like us to no longer have an identity and to simply be perfect consumer slaves. And so they attack national identity. They attack religious identity. They attack gender identity. They attack family identity. I can't define myself as Italian, Christian, woman, mother, no. I must be citizen X, gender X, parent one, parent two. I must be a number because when I am no longer a number, when I no longer have an identity or roots, then I will be the perfect slave at the mercy of financial speculators, the perfect consumer. That's why we inspire so much fear. That's why this event inspires so much fear. Because we do not want to be numbers. We will defend the value of the human being. Uh, comments from during the campaign, uh, not since she became prime minister, but she won. And I think we know why. You should watch the whole speech. It's available online. Give me a moment. I'll be right back. Watched a little fake news yesterday. And again, they're telling us all that the walls are closing in on Donald Trump. He faces at least six major investigations and a sense the walls may be closing in. <laughs> the walls may be closing in. It's 2022. I've been hearing that since 2015 about Donald Trump. It's their favorite line. One of them. I think that the president clearly feels all the walls closing in on him in terms of the Russia investigation. That's why you see leaks about Jeff Sessions. Bob Mueller's investigation. He feels the walls closing in on him. He knows the FBI is on his trail. The walls close in on Donald Trump and the Trump Organization as the longtime keeper of the books is granted immunity to talk about those hush fund payments and more. I think it's pretty clear that he feels the walls closing in on him. It is true that trends in the pandemic have improved. A riot that now has the walls closing in on President Trump. Threats of a second impeachment, a historic second impeachment, calls for his resignation. <sighs> They'll never learn, will they? They'll never learn. All right. Thank you very much. We'll be back tomorrow, of course. Our Cops Under Fire series continues. Many thanks.